Welcome to the How to Be a Good Human podcast, a weekly podcast where we provide you with evidence-based information on how to be a good human, whatever that ultimately means. I'm your host, Una Bezaridis. And I'm Steve. I think I'm going to go with Steve, like it, it just feels right. Still with a Steve. All right. Yep. Steve it is. All right. So this is our second episode in the series, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. We're filming this, or recording this rather. Recording, yeah. We're recording this at night, and we both have a lovely glass of... Prosecco and uh, lemon blueberry mojito mix, I guess is what you call it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting <clears throat> mix, but it's, it's delicious. Um, you don't have to have a refined palate. In fact, you could probably put it in a solo cup if it made you happy. 100%. Yeah. Um, but I won't give more information because we're, uh, that's not an ad. We're just <laughs> telling you what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> Cupcake Prosecco. <laughs> no! Now I'm going to edit that out. Um, okay. So today we're going to focus on an article and I love the name. Um, it's called Who Falls for Fake News? The Roles of Bullshit Receptivity, Overclaiming, and Analytic Thinking. What a title. Yeah, that was a mouthful. Yeah, but I mean, bullshit receptivity. I love it. Okay. Bullshit receptivity sounds like what you have in your cell phone when you really need to make a call. Well, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. yeah. That's mm. interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to start with the TLDR, which is super anticlimactic. Is that the right word? Sure. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, well, it can't be... It literally can't be climactic because it's at the beginning. True. So anticlimactic or not at all interesting. Um, there is a certain type of person that falls for fake news. Looking at you, boomers. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but also, yes. Um, okay. So fake news is not a new phenomenon, but it's still a problem. These researchers quote various um, previous studies that talk about how um, fake news played a role in America becoming involved in World War One, And um, the studies are from 1946, which is understandable. Sorry, I was just doing some math in my head. I was like, I'm pretty sure that World War Two ended in 1945. But it makes sense that, like, the studies wouldn't come out until, like, you know, well after World War One. Right. Which, fun fact, uh, I'm pretty sure we fought against uh, the Ottoman Empire in World War One. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. We weren't, like, super involved in World War One. It was kind of... Maybe we were. I don't know. It's been a while since I took a history class. Okay. So, <clears throat> fake news is a pretty big part of our current culture. Would you agree with that? I would heavily... I mean, the president himself says fake news all the time. And when the president's saying something, it's kind of part of your nation's culture. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, in case we have listeners that are uh, from... Anywhere other than America, we're talking about American politics, and it's probably not surprising. Um, also, we apologize. Yeah, sincerely, sincerely apologize. We're working on it. So, fake news is a problem because it is a very large disinformation campaign, and <clears throat> excuse me, that really affects people's views politically and, and how they vote, but also how they view science. I mean, I'm just thinking of people that 
um, still don't think that global warming is a thing, and they're like, no, 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 and they discount that science. I mean, that's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, who's it? Jeff Daniels said it best that we're like, we, we are a nation of people that, you know, uh, believes that there are floating like angels and mystical things happening in the sky, which if you do, nothing against you, like, you know, your beliefs are your own and totally respect that. But there's definitely this portion of, you know, our population and I don't think it's unique to us. I think it's, you know, kind of a symptom of humankind in general that we question usually emotionally when uh, scientific research is presented to us. Well, I don't think the scientific community ever has said like this is 100% true and will always be true because science is kind of the process of, you know, disproving and, you know, learning new things and always continuing to improve our knowledge of the world. It's kind of shocking that when presented with highly, you know, researched and rigorously studied scientific information that people can just say, no, no, that can't be right. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason why I picked this article. I mean, so the other thing, this article came out in 2017. So it really was geared um, towards the 2016 election, which as we know um, here in America, that was um, a big upset for some people. Um, And fake news definitely did play a, a bit of a part in that. Would you agree? I wouldn't even say a bit of a part. I'd say it played a large part. And you know who else would probably agree with you? Um, Our entire intelligence committee. Yeah. The entire intelligence community, rather. They've all basically said, and the Senate has confirmed, that you know Russia's disinformation campaign uh, was effective meddling in the 2016 election. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd say it played a big role. Paging Dr. Fiona Hill, anyone? Um, She was fantastic. I know, I loved her. She was amazing. Okay, so these researchers, of course, did a literature review, as most people do, so they were reviewing other literature on the subject, and they also were doing their... Oh, man. And they were also doing their... Shit, what was I trying to say? I don't know. Um... So these researchers talk a little bit about Facebook, and they say Facebook engagement, likes, comments, shares during the 2016 presidential election was greater for the most viral fake news stories than the most viral real news stories in the three months leading up to the election. That's shocking, but not all that surprising. I mean, you know, the saying bad news travels fast. Right. Do you think that's kind of the reason those sort of, you know, viral fake news um, memes, for lack of a better word, because I think that's what most of them were, got pushed around so much is that people are more likely to react and, I guess, regurgitate bad news rather than share and promote good news? Well, that could be a factor, but that's not what the researchers found. Really? Um, So... Well, let me just 
make this other point and then I can kind of get back to that. So a recent study found, not this study, but a recent study, other study found that among articles that have been subject to fact-checking, false news stories actually spread faster and wider than true news stories, which is kind of another way of saying what I had said previously, but um, this was a study done by Vasogi, Roy, and Aral, 2018. Love those guys. Just, you know, just citing it. I think it's important. <laughs> Maybe I should do that more. Um, what was your question again? Oh, <laughs> does, you... does bad news travel faster than good news? And are people more likely to sort of um, rebroadcast or amplify negative uh, fake news propaganda versus something that's viral but is more on the lighter, you know, happier side. Yeah. So I assume that because it's a, a, a phrase or an idiom, probably not an idiom, a phrase, you know, bad news travels fast. Mm-hmm. I assume that that is somewhere, at least in like the pop psychology world. I don't have personally got data to support that. Um, but what the researchers found was, well... It gets a little complicated, but I'd say the the quick stuff is, A, you know, what they described was that fake news is not a new phenomenon, so we know that. Um, they tested people on um, critical thinking skills, and uh, it's something called the CRT that they use, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, people that fall for fake news tend to score lower on the CRT, so critical thinking scores are not super high there. Um, and repetition, um, so two more things. One thing, repetition, regardless of uh, the truth of the statement, can lead someone to assume that the statement is more accurate than it actually is. And then the last piece is people that tend to overclaim their knowledge on a subject um, are more likely to fall for think new- fake news. They are more likely to fall for the fake news. And so I think about with that, you know, someone overclaiming their knowledge, it's like your uncle at a holiday dinner that can't stop telling you about how the ACA is amazing and Obamacare fucked up the nation. <laughs> or about how Ryan Zinke claims he's a geologist when he is, in fact, not a geologist <laughs> and never was. I mean, you, you take a Geology 101 class in college and you're basically a geologist. He can fuck right off. I bet he can. He can fuck rock off. No, that, no, no, that didn't work as no. well. No, that's all right. I knew where you were going, though, and I respect the attempt. Thanks. And, you know, they can't all be winners. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because when I hear that people, you know, tend, who tend to fall for the sort of stuff also s- tend to overclaim their own knowledge, what that screams to me is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, but remind me, I feel like... So, the Dunning-Kruger effect um, is, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but people who are less knowledgeable than they claim to be tend to, you know, well, that's basically it, you know. (laughs) People who don't have as much knowledge on a topic as they should tend to claim that they know everything. Um, whereas as you become more well-versed in a field 
and you you know are deeply involved in you know learning all the nuances and intricacies and don't get me wrong there are people out there who are incredibly intelligent and simultaneously also claim to know everything and be a subject matter expert mm-hmm. but it's more common that as you get deeper into your field you realize wow there's a enormous wealth of information i can't possibly know all of this and stuff that i have learned has kind of fallen out of my brain you know in lieu of new information so they're more apt to be sort of humble about their knowledge and claim well you know i'm not that well versed or i'm not that smart um and actually kind of fall into a imposter syndrome yeah so i mean a personal aside for me is i can't tell you how much I respect someone when they're able and willing to say, I don't know about something because I think that shows great strength of character. Like someone who doesn't have such an ego where like they feel like they have to know everything and instead they can be like, you know what? I I have no idea. (laughs) I will look that up and I'll get right back to you. Yeah. You say a couple times now, like, you know, I don't have data to support this or I don't have the answer for that, but let me get back on that. Well, (laughs) I'm trying, but okay. But yeah, you're right. The Dunning-Kruger effect um, is a cognitive bias where people assess their cognitive ability as greater than it actually is. So, yeah. That was much more articulate than I put it. Um, I'm also reading it off of some website, so I'm a big old fake. <laughs> fake news. No, did, did you check the website? Because that could have been fake news. It could have been. Shit. Um, oh my god, you're yeah, right. Yeah. We might be misunderstanding Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh my god. I'm going to vote for the wrong person. I know. The one that's talking about Dunning-Kruger and their campaign. Anyway, so (laughs) let's get back to fake news. Um, I think it's important to define fake news a little bit and and do what's called an operational definition in, in psychology research. And so operational definition is... You know, what, like, how can you define the thing that is, that you're studying? Okay. How can you define the thing that you're studying so that it's um, succinct and, and simple and not overcomplicated to the point where it's difficult to build a study around it? So it's sort of like, how can I make this terminology more friendly? In a way, yeah. So, like, not like, uh, what was it, nominal, uh, evidence versus the normative. Oh, normative versus empirical. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, and, and granted, I could totally be messing up because it's, it's been a few years since I've actually done psychology research, but um, that is my understanding of it. So anyway, um, Laser et al., and not to be confused with Bob Laser, not the same person as this person, really important. I didn't get that reference. Oh, really? Uh, Bob Laser's the guy who... Um, Lead singer Radiohead? What? No. What the heck? That's my go-to. Oh, my God. No, he believes in aliens. Not, not to say that that's crazy, but um, he's pretty he's pretty adamant about that. And I think he had a hand in the whole storming Area 51 in September. I'm not sure, but that was the... Really? That I, I thought that's what happened. That's amazing. I mean, like, anybody who can coordinate, like, you know, hundreds of weebs to storm Area 51 is, you know, all right in my book. Well, did you... There was this documentary um, on HBO. It was called Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, I started watching that. You started watching that? And I got super bored. Sorry to anybody who likes Skinwalkers or Skinwalker Ranch, but 
it, the, the documentary was nothing like I assumed it would be. I thought it'd be way more creepy. So Bob Lazor was in that documentary. Like that, he was, was like it? the yeah, like he was like the focal point of that documentary. Shows how much I was paying attention. Yeah. So I mean, I I couldn't get through it either. It was just it's a little dry. It, it was dry, and there was too much like skepticism for me to be like, okay, whatever. And I was disappointed because I was hoping it would be about skinwalkers, which I really like that subject matter. But it's the folklore. Name of the ranch just happened to be right, and so it didn't really have to do with that. The old it had to bait do with, and switch. Yeah. So whatever. Anyway. Operational definitions. Yeah, so anyway, Laser et al. defines fake news as information that mimics the output of the news media in form, but not in organizational process or intent. And an example of that would be, you know, they're lacking in editorial norms and processes to weed out the untrue in favor for the true. Um, fake news is thus a subgenre of the broader category of misinformation, of incorrect information about the state of the world. So what I'm getting from that operational definition is, whereas most, whereas reputable journalism is rigorously um, vetted for inconsistencies, untruths, etc., fake news is more of a here's something that we want to spin in a certain direction and we're not going to vet or cite or even fact check anything we're about to say or write, correct? Right, and we want to make it look like it's legit news, but it's not. By essentially dressing it up for the dog and pony show. So if I put on a three-piece suit and sit behind a desk <laughs> with, you know, four billion watt lights on my face, I assume that's the wattage they use in camera lighting. <laughs> uh-huh, yep, totally agree. Yeah, um, that's me. And then I read, like, a paper that I wrote overnight without actually reading the book for a class and I didn't bother to cite anything that I wrote. That could be essentially fake news. Yeah. Roughly. Sure. That was a, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, alter the world by writing really shitty first drafts and submitting them, you know, in undergrad, but I'm not going to lie to you and say that I was a fantastic writer or, like, always cited the stuff I wrote. Okay, that was, that's good to know. Yeah, I, highly pertinent. <laughs> Josh, I mean, Steve was creating <laughs> fake news back well, in the day. Well, shit, it's out, Josh. Oh, I was going to... That's alright, that's okay. Steve was creating fake news back in the day. Before anyone else. All right. Um, so let's talk about the results. Yeah. Actually, no. No? Let's talk about who they did this study on, because I think that that's really important. So who's the sample size here? All right. They, so the researchers from MIT and University of Virginia, respectively, uh, recruited 1,606 participants. Is that a good end? That's a pretty good, yeah. I, I say that's like a good sample size. Right. Would, um, would you say it's that lends itself to generaliz generalizability? Generalizability, generalization? Yeah. I think it's generalizability. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I would think so. Um, it was an on, It looks like it was an online survey because that they did because it's through Amazon Mechanical Turk. Yeah. You're familiar? Yeah. 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 And, yeah, it was three online surveys. Excuse me. Um, this isn't a pitch for Amazon Mechanical Turk. No, it is not. <laughs> but um, Give us that money, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> 
but that's that's what they used um, so that's probably part of the reason why they were able to get so many people but that's also really great um, and that's good information in terms of more demographics I did not take notes in that regard so I am not sure about um, gender binary versus non-binary which we talked about in our first episode um, you know age range or anything like that I think in future um, episodes I'd really like to highlight some more of that I feel like that's also probably really easy to fabricate when doing something through Mechanical Turk as well so you know oh I didn't even think of that yeah not everybody uh, who claims to be a woman on the internet is a woman <laughs> yeah that's true okay so what are the results of these three surveys that they did they found that individuals who fall for fake news are more receptive to pseudo-profound bullshit. Think about that for a second. Pseudo-profound bullshit. What the heck does that mean? That sounds like the stuff that, uh, who is it, Joel Osteen peddles. <laughs> well, um, maybe. <laughs> um, Don't sue us, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. Uh, Joel Osteen. Um, so an example of pseudo-profound bullshit would be the following phrase, and this was in the study. Okay. Wholeness quiets infinite phenomena. That makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, exactly. Because it's 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 fake. It's just like words strung together that sound like maybe possibly something, but it's nothing. That sounds like something I would put on a piece of like treated wood above my bed, like Live, laugh, love. Yeah, Sorry. Always <laughs> kiss me goodnight, you know. Wholeness quiets infinite phenomena. And then, you know, Sell it on Etsy. Seriously, though. Yeah. So, okay. So, individuals who fall for fake news are more receptive uh, to pseudo-profound bullshit, which means they are more likely to rate, and, and they did find this, that they are more likely to rate those pseudo-profound statements as profound. And that was part of the experiment that they did, is that they had a bunch of these statements that were pseudo-profound pseudo that people, uh, some people rated as profound. Is it just, I mean, is it that we have too loose a definition of profound? That, uh, that's a question for the gods, I don't know. Um, uh, all, right. yeah. all of them. All of them. All seven of them. Well, I mean, everybody's got to, whatever. So, in addition to being more receptive to pseudo-profound bullshit, and I love the fact that they keep using that term because it's just so right on, um, people are also more willing to overclaim knowledge, which we talked about, and they score lower on the CRT, which is a test of analytic thinking. Um, and so the CRT, from what I understand in this study, is something that was developed by one of the researchers in previous years uh, that they were able to validate. And I would hope at this point that it's a valid and reliable measure, um, meaning it's testing what it's supposed to be testing and it's consistent each time that it's tested. And um, it, yeah, it tests someone's analytic thinking ability or analytical thinking ability. Right. So um, your ability to think be, critically. Yeah, or be given like partially incomplete information and sort of infer or assess from that what, you know, the next conclusion or step or answer might be. Right, so like finding a way to like logic or reason 
gotcha. your way through an issue that maybe, like you said, doesn't have like the full set of information. Yeah. So, what's interesting is they they identified what they call reflexive open-mindedness. And it took me, admittedly, it took me a little bit to figure out exactly what they meant for th- by this, because they did define it. Um, I'd like to know what that definition is, because that's the sort of thing where if somebody said that word to me, I would rate it as pseudo-profound. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. Um, so, they say that reflexive open-mindedness allows individuals to unskeptically accept a broad range of claims regardless of their epistemic value or degree of validity. What is epistemic? So I wrote epistemic value or degree of validity because epistemic value and degree of validity are essentially the same. Oh, so they're synonymous. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, again, my vernacular is not that scientific. Um, so you're what, fine. So what you're saying is that People who are more susceptible to fake news are also trending in the direction of they can be presented with a wide uh, array of different statements and they're pretty easily acceptable of most things that are put in front of them. They're reflectively, or sorry, excuse me, reflexively open-minded. Yeah, so yeah, so you have it right. They're pretty accepting of a lot of statements that that come within their purview or, or, or come in front of, front of them. So they're it's interesting because they're much more open-minded. That's not the vibe that I would get from most people who fall from fake news. I know. So what's what's the deal there where it, admittedly I've had, you know, conversations with people where when they state a known falsehood that I can, you know, with citation disprove or say that didn't happen, they have said, oh, well, you know, huh, well, I, I, I heard it from, uh, you know, X, Y, or Z, well, where did you hear it from? So it seems like they're willing to kind of like reevaluate the information, but admittedly I've also heard from people who, when presented with something that uh, directly uh, is in opposition to the fake news or fake information which they've digested, shut it the fuck down because <laughs> the two cannot coexist. Yeah, so this study, again, it was done in 2017, um, or maybe it was done in 2016, but came Publishing, out in 2017. Yeah. yeah. Um, and essentially what, they're, what they found about the reflexive open-mindedness is that's kind of what they're um, attributing to... The digestion of the fake news. Yeah, so they're saying that there's a common factor here, mm-hmm. you know, underneath the falling for pseudo-profound bullshit, underneath the overclaiming, um, underneath the, the low analytical thinking mm-hmm. abilities... And what they're positing, what what they're what they're saying, um, that they think is happening is that people have um, a lack of skepticism, or what they call the reflexive open mindedness, that helps explain why people fall for fake news and other bullshit, um, and then other people don't. Okay. So there's like a there's like a trait or a quality there they're yeah. thinking exists. So it's not necessarily the case that 
all people who fall for fake news are going to be reflexively open-minded, but people who are reflexively open-minded can fall for fake news. It's not a trait that every person who falls for fake news will have. Right. And so, again, you know, I think this is where more research is needed, and I suspect that they're probably doing that research right now. I hope so. Um, Can we I vaccinate, so like, fake news digestion? That'd be great. What? Oh. Uh, yeah. It'd just be like, I think this is a this is a large problem, like the widespread susceptibility to propaganda um, is something that I hope is being researched and that we're coming up with ways to sort of quote unquote vaccinate against it. Um, I know that, who's it, somebody, I think somebody at MIT or another really smart place came up with a game which kind of shows you how fake news in social media works and how like troll farms can kind of distribute that and disrupt otherwise civil discourse. So it kind of shows you how it works to essentially digitally vaccinate you against it by informing you of what may be going on to make you more suspicious or skeptical. Hmm. I haven't heard of that, but that's really interesting. I think it's called like bad news or something like that. Hmm. Okay. I'll look it up. Um, so let's, let's dive into the conclusion piece. Because I think we've hammered home the point of, like, what type of person really does fall for fake news. Um, so to quote from the article, it says, Our research... No, sorry. To quote from the article, it says, Our results suggest that belief in fake news may be driven, to some extent, by a general tendency to be overly accepting of weak claims. This tendency, which we refer to as reflexive open-mindedness, may be partly responsible for the prevalence of, um, as they call it, epistemically suspect beliefs writ large. Um, Or, you know, in other words, they believe that this reflexive open-mindedness is why some people just lack that skepticism and are like, what? Like, dogs and cats can be birthed in the same litter? Oh my god, that's so interesting. Share, 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 share. And then grandma's, like, shared it, like, 85 times because she doesn't know how to use Facebook, but... Yeah, she's probably already printed it out and put it in a letter and mailed it to us. Probably. And, you know, jokes on us, it's like a chain letter from 2001. Um, so... Something that I think is interesting is there's also this aspect that they talk about in the study about how repetition of a statement can make people believe that it's more accurate. And they have this quote or this this piece of the study where they talk about how people that were told a certain fact during trivia um, repeatedly were more likely to believe that this fact was true even though later on they were able to be like, oh, no, that's false. Why was I, why, why did I think that? Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's like a repetition aspect, which makes sense because when I'm thinking about, and I'm going to relate it back to politics because that's where my brain goes, but, you know, when I'm in, you know, our local elections recently, yeah. when I was in the voting booth and I had done some of my homework, but not all of my homework, and I'm going to be honest about that. I appreciate that. And there was, like, some, like, I don't know if it was, like, school council or, what was it, like? City council? There was something that had to do with schools, though. Uh, school board, maybe. 
maybe it was something like that and i had zero idea what i was what to vote for i was like oh my gotcha. god um and so i went with the name that i was more familiar with the name that i saw most frequently on, this... on people's lawns yeah those little signs on the side of the road yeah, yeah. tricky so there is some validity to that i think just from my own personal again personal bias personal data but you know just i think there's something to that yeah yeah no i i, I think you're right um like the more you see something the more it just kind of sticks in your mind i mean how many times have we hummed the uh jingle to like a insurance commercial or you know if you've been to boston what does it look like call joe bornstein or whatever it is oh yeah and, maybe yeah i don't know anyway good point yeah bill, um. billboards are a thing <laughs> Okay. I'm clearly susceptible to marketing. So, I also think that at this point we've hammered home the reflexively open-minded piece. So let's discuss this a little bit. And this is... Well, let's discuss this a little bit. As a species, so as humans, we are intelligent. Yet, yeah, Yet, our brains can get lazy. And with the incredible amount of stimulation we are faced daily through 24-hour news cycles and social media, it's not shocking to learn that our brains can fall for dirty tricks or any sort of manipulation. Yeah. And that's really what fake news is. It's a manipulation. It makes you believe that this is a real thing, but it's not. I am 100% guilty of seeing a article headline on Reddit, and instead of clicking the article, I will first go into the comments. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yep. It's awful. I'm trying to cut down on that and actually read, read the entirety yeah. of the article before getting outraged and liking, sharing, retweeting. Yeah, and so I think that's a really good example of how, you know, we are intelligent species, but our brains are lazy. And if we feel like we can get in the same amount of information just in a faster, you know, more condensed way, you know, in other words, the com- the comments, yeah. then we're more likely to do that than we are to spend 10 minutes reading an article or however long it takes. Um, which... 140 characters just isn't enough to <laughs> articulate the full <laughs> breadth of factual evidence, is it? Yeah, and so that really is where problems come in. And of course, people complain about the fact that our attention spans are decreasing because we are just looking for information fast and we have that ability now. Um, I don't know what the research says behind that. I would believe that it's it's probably pretty consistent based on the fact that most people I talk to are like, I don't want to read an article. Like, <laughs> I want you to give me the TLDR and the key takeaways in like three bullet points and I want to be done. And we're looking out for those people too. <laughs> we're trying. We're, we, we understand you're busy and maybe you've only got like a couple seconds to skim like an article before, you know, your next meeting or you're hoping your boss doesn't round the corner. It, it's all right. Yeah. And so one thing that I've said in previous articles, but not on this podcast yet is humans do not like facing negative parts of themselves. Hate and it. I can't emphasize that enough. People do not like to be super introspective when it comes to the negative stuff and figure out what that's all about and own it. We just don't like doing that. (laughs) And, you know, in in fairness to people that are like that, which is most people, you know, who wants to sit around and acknowledge that 
they've done bad things or that they've made mistakes. And, you know, frankly, we don't really live in a society where that's allowed or where that's, um, you know, rewarded as like, oh, you're like learning experience or, or gaining experience. It's usually like, oh, why did you do that? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, I definitely, especially in my field, like you aren't stoked to either find out or own up to having you know been the cause of like a large-scale outage or something breaking um and a lot of people will kind of shirk that and say oh yeah no i i don't know i i, I don't know what happened or um yeah i wasn't working on it but um yeah definitely making a concerted effort to move in the direction of you know what this thing went wrong here's exactly why it went wrong this is what i did wrong and i'm gonna grow as a person from this and probably hopefully not do that again Right. Yeah, that's um, a very difficult process, and it really is difficult to do that. It is difficult to sit and acknowledge and own your stuff, your shit, um, and be able to work on it. At the same time, that is so necessary in order for you to have, I mean, really, like, good, honest, authentic relationships with other people. Because if you can't be honest with yourself about your own behaviors, how the heck do you expect other people to do that with you? And how do you expect your relationships to really flourish if it's just based off of inauthenticity? Yeah, I mean, you and I have both sat down and had tough conversations with somebody who absolutely refused to acknowledge that something that we know happened actually happened. And that is really tough to sustain a relationship with when somebody's bold-faced denying what you heard with your own ears or saw with your own eyes. Right. Also, that's called gaslighting. Important <laughs> to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and again, like, I get it. Like, who wants to sit around and acknowledge, for example, getting back to the topic, that they've been played a fool by fake news? Yeah. That's tough. You People... probably feel you probably feel dumb. Well, yeah, and that's understandable. I, I, I can see that. Um, yet... <sighs> That just further proves how important it is to have that internal dialogue with yourself about what it is that you're reading. And and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but here's the thing. You don't have to own your shit to other people if you don't want to. You don't have to do that. You just have to be willing to own it to yourself and be like, oh, you know what? I sometimes fall for fake news because I thought for sure that this... No. Dog had a baby with a cat. Sure. Article was, you know, super factual and scholarly, and I was convinced that this was a reputable source, um, when in fact it was not, and I did not do that research, and I just took it at face value, and you know what? I'm just telling you, that's okay, that's normal, and it doesn't make you a bad person. How can we, like... So, I imagine... As kids, you know, we were sort of scolded for making mistakes, you know, whether you spilled some milk or uh, you put your mom's car in neutral and rolled it down a hill between some trees. So <laughs> Oddly you're, specific. Right, yeah, no, not me, never, but, you know. All right, I did it, yeah, I'm going to own my shit. Um, so it seems like we are sort of raised to be de-incentivized to own our shit and say, yep, I 
did this thing that wasn't ideal. Um, instead, we kind of shirk it off and deny it for fear of being considered a bad person, which is, again, very black and white. You know, people are very rarely all bad or all good. I don't want to say that Charles Manson has redeeming qualities, but <laughs> maybe he's a great... He's a good guitarist, isn't he? Is he? I thought he, like, played music, and that was his... Didn't he hang out with the Beach Boys for a while? I really don't know. That might have been fake news that I picked up. <laughs> um, so it seems like we're raised to believe that, you know, we don't we shouldn't uh, own up to things we've done wrong because we'll get scolded by our parents or our bosses or our teachers. So it's probably hard to reformat your brain into owning your shortcomings down the road as an adult. But what's the best we can do? Like, sort of, as we own our shit to one another and face negative facts about ourselves, I guess give each other affirmation. Like, thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. I still love you. Um, let me know if you need any help in growing with this. I think this is a great step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, that's really helpful. But also, I mean, again... You know, you don't have to necessarily start out owning this shit to other people because that is very scary and that is probably going to spark a shame spiral where, or, or like a shame hangover. Like toxic where, shame? Well, kind of, yeah. Like when, you know, have you ever had the experience, I mean, I've had this experience where I've like overshared with someone by accident, like it wasn't intentional, and then the next day I just had this feeling of like, oh my god, why did I say that? Like, why? Did I give that much detail or information to this person I barely know? Like, um, that's not really me, and you can tell because I overshare on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I have had moments where, like, I've been saying goodbye to a friend who, like, I was hanging out and gaming at his place for the first time ever, and when he said bye, I waved and I winked. I don't know why I winked, but I winked at a guy <laughs> who I barely knew and who had invited me over to his place to play video games, but never again. <laughs> Yeah. No, I never got invited back. Oh. I don't remember his name, so I'm going to say, Mike, if you're listening, it wasn't a pass at you. I'm weird. I'm owning it on the internet to people. Uh, so, yeah. So maybe don't wink at guys who, you know, you're becoming friends with and you're still in that kind of awkward period. Oh my god, that's so good. Um. What were we talking about? I don't even remember. You don't have to own your care. shit online like I did. But yeah, the shame hangover when you've done something and then you still think about it. Um, <laughs> like 30 wow. years later. Wow. Yeah, like oh, coming up on a decade. Okay. So, yeah, just be willing to acknowledge some of the bad stuff that, and, and I'm using bad, but really I, I don't like that term. Ineffective. Um, yeah, I'd say ineffective things that you've done or said in the past. And, you know, be willing to acknowledge that and be like, okay, I am going to try and do things differently moving forward. And, you know, start small. I wouldn't start with, like, really big, heavy, traumatic things. I would start with, like, oh, that one time when I was in fifth grade and I tripped over a pencil and fell and everybody thought that was funny. That happened? No, but that just came to mind, so maybe it did happen. I don't know. It was so that was, quick. Yeah, that was oddly specific. It was. All right. So how do you, how to be a good human? How do you apply this to being a good human? Well, here's the thing. Before sharing any news um, on social media, which, or via email or whatever, 
identify the following. What are the sources? So who, who is this coming from? Is this a reputable source? Is it CNN, Fox News, which I would be skeptical of? Is it Albert Einstein or is it Bill O'Reilly? Is it a scholarly article or a journal, which maybe I would put more stock in? Is it Wikipedia, which I would not put any stock in? Um, You know, just figure out where this is coming from. Is this a government agency or a school, like a university? They're pretty reputable. They don't mess around with that kind of stuff, Um, especially if they're a .gov site. You know, they want to make sure that whatever's on that site is reputable. Usually research that comes out of, for example, Harvard is vetted by a legal department as well. Right. And so, or even like the CDC or, or whatever. Um, so really figure out what are the sources and where is this information coming from? And so in addition to, I think, (laughs) where's this information coming from, but you know, who are they citing or what are they citing within their article or their information or their video or whatever that, they're getting this information from you know is it a harvard study or is it like some guy on youtube that's trying to make a quick buck i mean like really like where is this coming from and then other things think critically about the information that you're receiving who benefits from this storyline is it possible that a politician put this out there to slam a candidate or um, improve their odds in polling. You know, where, so just who benefits and what is the aim of this story, which is kind of the second piece I already talked about, but you know, not just who benefits, but what are they getting out of this if you do believe it or if you do buy into it, the story? Right. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, probably read some flat earth material. <laughs> yeah, so flat earth stuff. Um, That'll be a, a different episode, I think. And, oh my God, maybe never. Um, but seriously, look into the stuff that you're reading online and make sure that it's reputable before you start being like, I am going to adopt all the values and worldviews about this and make this my entire identity. Yeah, before you you know, really start basing your life around Dave on YouTube. Yeah. So, again, thanks for listening. If you would like to get more information on the article, if you'd like the article that we, um, access to the article that we actually used, which is free, or if you would like to see the article that we put out that is more distilled in layman's terms, then please visit the Metacog Misfits website, which is just metacogmisfitsoneword.com. The link will be in our bio. And, you know, please like, share, retweet, whatever our content or give us feedback on wherever you get your uh podcasts so you know give us however however many stars you want because again i don't believe in the idea of just telling you to give us five stars because i don't want to make assumptions like that we don't need your validation right i don't want it um maybe i do okay so (laughs) we will see you back here uh next week thanks so much